Welcome to the Hard Fat Truth. This is a podcast about weight loss and building a community around weight loss. Whether you want to lose weight or whether you've already lost weight and want to help others, we're going to take this journey together and this project together. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bell. Let's get the show started. Welcome to the next episode of the Hard Fat Truth. Today, I want to talk about my why or your why. And really, that's what is the most important thing to you and what's driving you to make change to your life, to be healthy and happy and, and lose and become a healthier person. Um, real quick, just if you're joining for the first time, thanks for tuning in. I know we're available on multiple platforms from iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. Um, multiple platforms that might fit on whatever it is that you utilize as a tool, whether you found mm-hmm. us in one spot, but you prefer another one. Take a look. There's there's lots of options. The main hosting is Anchor, and all the links are in there from the Anchor page to all the other podcasts available. And if you found us in iTunes and listen in iTunes, and you're finding value in this, I am asking a big favor this time. I'm asking you to go in and give it a quick rating leave a rating and just help uh, help bump us up over there, help um, make things happen. It's important for iTunes in keeping the podcast around and keeping us there. So um, real quick, as you know, in the past, I've talked about it. It's something I do. This podcast is a, started out as a project. It's becoming a bit more of my passion, and it's becoming something that's more important to me than I thought it was. So... I don't get monetized. It's not something I'm making money from. It's just, it is what it is. It's something that helps me and I'm seeing it help others. Uh, Each week we see a little bit more growth and I see a few more people tuning in and I think it's awesome. I think that means that we're reaching more people and I have a core group of people that are in the Facebook group. If you want to join there, it's facebook.com slash group slash hard fat truth. And there's some some great people in there. And we're really throwing out some challenges, helping each other out, and doing stuff to move each other forward, which I think is important. So right now I want to talk about my why. If you've listened in the past, you've probably heard me talk about wanting to be a healthier person so that I can be around longer to be a pain in the ass to my kids. There's a lot of truth to that. They're pretty important to me. I want to be around long to enjoy stuff with my wife. I want to not just be around longer. I want to have a higher quality of life while I'm around longer. And being healthier, that's important because that does that. You know, I got to be honest. I know some people who aren't as healthy. And the best way to put it, and I watch that even in my age group, the medical problems that some people are having. And, you know, I'm not going to outright state that because they're much bigger or because they're less healthy than me, that's the driving reason behind the medical problem. But I believe that there's definitely some factors there that are involved. And where does that come from? A little bit of past history. So if you've tuned in the past, you heard me talk about the fact that losing my dad was one of the drivers. One of the next drivers right after losing my dad was I got fairly sick at one point in time. I didn't feel well, had what I thought was gastro, but I couldn't shake it. It wasn't the typical 
three-day sickness or flu. And to be honest, I don't get sick that often. I had been lucky up to that point into my early 30s to not really get sick very often. If I got the flu, it was 24 hours. So after about four or five days, I finally made a doctor's appointment. Because I decided enough was enough and I needed help and I need something to fix me quickly. Because it wasn't happening on its own. I don't make doctor's appointments very often and I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it in the past. I'm better at it now, but definitely not in the past. I get in to see my doctor. One of the reasons I don't like him is his bedside manners are a bit terrible. He's a bit blunt and he's a bit straight to the point. And in my 30s, I didn't appreciate that. I thought he was a jerk, but I have a better appreciation of it now. So we sat down, told him all my symptoms, told him everything that was going on and asked him what could happen and uh, what he could do to help. And he looked over everything, took a brief pause, literally poked me in the belly and said, you know what your real problem is? You're fat. Well, I wasn't sure if I was going to fall into the chair or punch the guy. I wanted to do both. And I thought, wow, you're, you're an asshole. Like, how do you tell that to somebody and, and honestly, openly tell that to someone? That's mean. But it was a hard, fat truth. And it was something I honestly needed to hear. I didn't really absorb it that day. And he basically got done the appointment and said, what you have is viral. There's nothing I can do about it. Go home. Call me. Make another appointment. We're going to talk about your health. And we're going to send you for a blood sugar test. And I'm going to send you for a 24-hour fasting blood sugar test. So here's your paperwork. Go away. Get the blood done. I went home. Absorbed it. Was angry at him. Wasn't going to get the test done. A couple days later, I booked it and thought, well, I should probably do it. It's important. I was probably, I think it was 283 pounds when he weighed me at that time. And that, that number's really stuck in my head around that time. And I went and did the test, came back, and he said, good news, you're not diabetic. But you are a form of diabetic. You are insulin resistant. You are struggling with metabolic syndrome. Like, oh, I have a problem. That means we can come up with a solution. Remember, I'm a dorky engineer. If there's a problem, there's got to be a solution. So, metabolic syndrome, for those of you that don't know, especially in males, and it happens in females too, but in males, for me to explain it, is that we'll gain most of our weight around our midsection. And the higher the weight and the higher the fat content, what generally tends to happen is that our body makes insulin to deal with blood sugar or deal with sugars as it comes in and convert that into energy for your body to use. Now in metabolic syndrome or in diabetics, it doesn't convert the sugars properly. You need the insulin to do it. But if you're insulin resistant, what happens is the receptors that activate with your insulin become not responding to it. So your body generates more insulin. And that insulin kind of gets weaker and it generates more insulin and it doesn't have a good reaction with the receptors. So your body now takes sugar and stores it as fat. And the larger your midsection becomes, the more insulin resistant you become. So you can see the vicious circle that starts with this. You become more insulin resistant, 
You don't process sugar as well. You store more fat. You become fatter. The fatter you become around that section, the more insulin resistant you become, and the more you store fattish fat. So, I mean, I can get into details a little bit deeper, but I think that that makes it about as simplified as he made it with me. And it was a, a vicious circle. And he said, two things we're going to do. We're going to put you on a product called metformin, and we are going to send you to a nutritionist. Perfect. We're going to do something about this. So I start taking metformin a couple of times a day, and I go to a nutritionist who I personally, looking back now, think was absolutely terrible. I get that these people are supposed to be professionals and they're educated, but I get told that I'm supposed to have meat less than the size of the palm of my hand. I'm supposed to follow the Canadian food guide that was out at the time. I think it's changed a little bit, but... Um, you know, I'm going to have bread, I'm going to have starches, I'm going to have pasta, and I'm going to have all these things, and I'm going to have some vegetables, and I'm going to have this little tiny piece of meat. And if you understand where blood sugar comes from, you'll know that any form of sugar or carbohydrate gets converted into sugar, and that's going to drive your blood sugar, which drives metabolic syndrome and fat storage. And protein, on the other hand, our body burns it different. It's something your body can burn as a fuel, but it can not necessarily convert it to fat completely. It turns it into a bunch of different acid chains. It turns it into an ATP process and your body processes it and synthesizes it in many ways and provides fuel for muscles and fuel for your body. And what it can't use, it passes on. Um, you heard me maybe on the live I did real quick was that, you know, our body gets alcohol first. It's the first product it wants to burn. And that also slows your metabolism. The next product it wants to burn is carbohydrates, if they're available, and glycogens. Then it will go to protein. And then finally it will go to fat at the end. This is why it's hard to lose fat. However, if you're putting fat in your body and you're not doing it with a ton of carbohydrates... Your body can turn to fuel with that, which is where people move into the ketogenic diet. Get into that later. So real quick, I now understand at this point, about 10 years ago, how my body is burning some fuel. Not really highly educated in it, just read about it, didn't really do much about it. And I get on the metformin and I start following this nutrition guide and picking up everything that's low fat, which turns out to have more sugar in it. And... We get into this medication and it gets put onto the max dose. And now every time I eat, I'm supposed to take medication at breakfast, lunch, and supper. Breakfast doesn't seem to be so bad, but by lunchtime when I take medication and eat, I have massive cramps in my stomach. <laughs> I want to explain these in, a, in another way, but it, it, I think it would offend uh, a gender. But, uh, you know, it, it's... It was just terrible, terrible cramps. Like literally doubled over in the fetal position on my floor, crying after I've taken the medication and I've eaten for about 45 minutes. But I decide that I'm going to persevere and that this is, this is what's going to make me skinny. And I do it at dinner. And I went through this for about two solid weeks. And after two weeks, I just decided enough was enough. This is, this is not how to live. This is not, I'm not going to be successful. I'm not eating. It's upsetting my stomach. I have massive cramps. I'm done. 
I end up back in with the doctor after an appointment and say, look, like this, this is not working. He said, we don't have a choice. This is what you need to do. I'm like, no, what other options do I have? Because this is what it's doing to me. He's like, well, your other option is to lose weight and come off the medication. So between losing my dad and knowing that he'd led an unhealthy lifestyle and between this medication doing the things it was doing to me, I decided that was it. I'm putting my head down and doing something about this. I start reading more about food and fuel and how our body burns fuel. And I decide that I have a slowed down metabolism. And in order to burn fat and fuel and lose weight, I need to do calories in and calories out, which is where Steph and I had the conversation when I was reaching out and trying to start doing stuff and get into the simplified version, calories in, calories out. The other thing I learned is that my body is like a campfire or like a wood stove. And I'm going to throw a small log in that fire and keep it burning rather than throwing a bunch on it once and choking it down. So this is where I educate myself and decide that getting up and eating multiple meals in a day rather than one is far more important. Getting up and actually having breakfast to start my metabolism. So I make the transition. I get up in the morning and I have a huge glass of water. First thing I do. It helps flush the system out. It helps get your metabolism going. And then I eat a bit of food. I learned that my body shouldn't really have more than 400 calories at a time because it can't process much more than that. And you don't require much more than that at any time. So more than 400 calories and you're probably getting fat storage beyond that. So my breakfast is about 350 calories max, a couple of snacks in between. And I never go longer than four hours without eating. So every four hours I must have some food whether I want to or not. It doesn't have to be a lot but something. Keep the metabolism burning. So there starts my why. My why is me and my health. It's about me. Now this might be or seem or get into sort of the narcissistic side. I don't know what your why is, but it really, it should be your health and it should be about you. And this is where it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to put you first. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm finding that myself and other people who are probably overweight, that, you know, we, we struggle from issues in the past from our childhood and growing up, and there's multiple reasons to drive why, why we've done the things we've done. But one of the other things I find is that most of us are nice guys. We are good employees who work our butt off for work. You are a good parent, a good father to your kids, a good spouse, you want to help other people and you want to do the right thing to make sure that everybody else is happy. This leads into something I was reading about or understanding called the champagne tower effect. We've all seen a champagne tower on TV or somewhere where they pour into that first cup at the top and it overflows into every other cup underneath of it. This needs to be your why. It needs to be yours. You have to figure it out. You probably have some other whys. But if you don't fill your own cup at the top first, it's never going to fully pour out to everybody else's below you. So if you take every cup underneath of that and you put it first and fill those up, you're left empty at the top. Your health is left empty. Your mental health is left empty. And you're not doing yourself any justice. 
this is why I believe some people are out there not reaching their milestones that they want to reach because their social interaction with their friends is more important. Their helping out their spouse is more important. Their being with their children is more important. Their doing their job is more important. My why when I first lost weight was definitely me and my health. And I busted my butt to a point where I had dropped 100 pounds, been down to 190, was preparing for a half Ironman, and hyper-focused on myself and absolutely narcissistic at the time. I was more important than anything else in the world. At that point, I was my lightest I'd ever been. Now, we talked about it in the past. Not sustainable. In order to be 190 pounds, the amount of effort I was working at and the amount of working out I was doing was absolutely insane for the lifestyle I have today. I couldn't do that. I couldn't work out six days a week, one to four hours a day, um, and sustain my lifestyle. Multiple days were two and three hour workouts because I didn't have what I have today. I didn't have my children and I didn't have that, that activity taking place in the house. So fast forward a few years, I move into another job and that job has a demand on me that puts me about 70 hours a work week. I have a newborn daughter. I have my growing family and two other kids and my wife. And I no longer put myself first. They become my why. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay. But they became my why and my work became my why. And that is probably why I went from my, what I think is my healthy weight of 210 pounds and sustainable weight while working towards it. And my why shifts and before I know it, two and a half years later, dealing with a younger child and learning all about that and dealing with 70-hour work weeks, I find myself at 240 pounds. And I literally stepped on the scale and it was one of my issues. And I'd realized that I had no longer become my why. My excuses became pretty good with all the hours I was working and everything else. And I... I didn't even realize I was going to make the change, but I had an opportunity to make a career change in the same company and do a job that was totally different than anything I had done in engineering for my whole career. It was a bit more of a desk job and a bit more paperwork, a lot less hands-on and running around, um, which is something I like to do. And I decided that it was going to get me back to my why. It was going to give me more time with my family, which was really the number one driver behind it. It was going to teach me more about interacting with people and less about machines. It was going to improve my life and allow me to get back to focus on my health. That really was a one of the key factors when I sat down and did the pros and cons on the job. It was my family time, absolutely. But it was also, hey, this is going to give me an opportunity to get healthy again. And the interesting part is when I got asked about taking the job, my current boss now actually had a conversation with me about being able to get back to a healthier lifestyle because he was well aware in the past about how I had done triathlons and half marathons. I had interacted and worked with this individual off and on over about a three-year period. Um, and we interacted on some projects together and he had tried to hire me the year before 
and we sat down and, and this came around and the opportunity came again. I became my why again. Now, six months into that, I had given myself weekends, given myself time, and I'd gotten back to working out. I'd gotten back to having more conversations with Steph and having her hold me accountable. I'd gotten into my wife saying, hey, you just got home. You got time for a bike ride. Go for a bike ride. So I've become my why again. My health has become my why again because of that other obligations. You need to stop and put yourself first. And it's okay. I picked up a book and read a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I literally had a conversation with my wife. It was recommended to me about eight months ago. And I sat down and had a conversation with her and said, look, I'm going to read this book. It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's supposed to help me get myself involved in myself and back to myself and figure out how to make myself happy with me. The whole premise of the book is not about going from a nice guy to a mean guy. That's absolutely not it. And I think some people have that first reaction about being no more Mr. Nice Guy. That's not what it's about. It's a lot about how to put yourself first, how to lead by example, how to not sit back and have unwritten contracts with people because we come up with this perception of how we want other people to interact in our life. We don't have hard conversations with them. And then when they don't act the way we think they should, we get upset because we've created unwritten contracts in our head. And that is one of the biggest things that prevailed to me in that is having an unwritten contract. You stop, you think about how other people should act around you, or you do something for somebody and you don't ask them for something back, but you expect it back because you did something nice and you're the nice person. And then they don't provide back to you what you think they should. Boom. You've got an unwritten contract. You're upset and you create animosity between you and the other individual, whether that be family or friends or even work. And it's taught me to go out and just have the conversation, go out and put myself first. There's some risk, there's some fear, but often if you don't confront it, you create problems for yourself and you get upset at everybody else and you need to go solve that yourself. It's a great book. If you are the nice guy who puts yourself last and everybody else first, I recommend the book. There's some exercises in it that has you do. It deals with relationships. It deals a bit with life. It is an interesting read. Um, and it talks about building a community and building friendships and building uh, a tribe around you and building friends and like-minded people and creating a, a social circle. So, I mean, I think that's another topic is, is, is your social circle helping you or is it dragging you down? So we can talk about that another time. And I know I have brought it up in the past. So the book again, no more Mr. Nice Guy. It really helped me understand unwritten contracts. And that was a big key. It helped me put myself first. I, one of the things I have the hardest time doing and my wife can attest is I'd come up with excuses as why not to work out because the kids are running around being crazy and she needs help around the house. And that's more important than me working out. And she's always been a supporter of, no, just go ahead and get your workout. I do know how to handle the kids. But I gave myself an unwritten contract that if I left and I didn't go put myself first, everybody else was going to be mad at me in the house. Instead, what I'm learning is that doing all these things 
is leading by example. So last night, a solid example is that the oldest child went for a big long bike ride by herself, had a bit of a project to do around town. She borrowed my point and shoot camera and wanted to take pictures of flowers around town as she's doing an environmental project for school. And as we learn to give her more freedom as she gets older, she went for a long bike ride, was gone for an hour, and came home sweating. The middle child will run on the treadmill, and he was running with me before my hip injury, literally coming out for two and a half kilometer runs and asking me to do these things. The youngest is down here while I'm doing this new street parking and weightlifting and literally picking up some small weights and lifting them and mimicking what I do. So by putting myself first and not asking them to do things, they see what you're doing. If you have children, believe me, they watch everything you do and they want to interact with you no matter what it is you're doing, whether it's working out, whether it's exercise or whether it's eating healthy. Uh, one of the things my kids like to eat, chicken nuggets. So when I make up a big batch of chicken breast and marinate them, what I'm doing now with my youngest even, and she helps, and the other kids have helped me with other meals, is we'll cut up a couple of those and we'll take chicken breast that have been marinated and we will dip them in some breadcrumbs and she will make her own chicken nuggets and cook them and she gets excited about that. Because she's helping to prepare a meal and she's helping to do things and sees what I'm doing. And she gets to make something. And I believe that that is likely a healthier choice than the processed chicken nugget that comes from the deep freezer. So my why of putting myself first and doing my things while other people are watching is important. It's important to fill your cup first. And I am learning that and I knew about it and I read about it and I've had a hard time with it, but I'm doing it more and more and more. And it's not because I want to put the rest of my family on a back burner because I see that that's not what's happening. I'm not putting them on the back burner. I'm taking some time for myself to do the right thing to get healthy. And instead of the negative effect I've been worried about, I'm seeing the positive effect what's going on. I wasn't quite sure how to word it. I wasn't quite sure how to put it in the podcast. And it was literally my wife last night while we were laying in bed having a discussion saying, hey, thank you. Our kids are doing A, B, and C because they watch you do it and they want to do it. Now, this gives them an advantage. It gives them a slight advantage over what I had growing up. I think kids nowadays struggle a bit. They're not out playing tag like we were. Um, you know, how many of you watch that whole Facebook tag? means touch and go, blew your mind. Played tag as a kid, didn't have a clue that that was what it meant. Uh, there's my tangent. We know I always go on one tangent or two. Um, but we ran around as kids a lot more, I think, than kids do nowadays. We don't let our kids run around in neighborhoods like I did as a kid. At seven years old, I was off to a park all by myself, and our kids are not doing that as much nowadays, at least some of us. We do tend to protect our kids and we are aware of other things that are out there and it happens a little bit later. So, but them seeing me active and them becoming active, that's important. That really, it ties into my why. It ties into my why of me having a healthy lifestyle and my kids having a healthier lifestyle and having goals and objectives long before I had them at 33 to 34 years old.
So if I can lead by example and create a longer, healthier lifestyle and fill my cup first, it pours into their cup and they will do some of the similar things and they will have a competitive advantage against being healthy as they grow up compared to what I had. Now, I don't knock my mom. For any of you that follow, I definitely talk about her in here. She's in my Facebook group. My mom has been extremely active this year. Not that she wasn't in the past. She's doing a lot of walking. She rides a small exercise bike in her house. She's watched what she's eating. She's taken on some of the salad challenges that Mitchell's put out. And she's taken on the water challenge. And she's had an impact and she's lost some weight and she feels better. She's got a lot more energy around her, which is pretty important because she's living a longer, healthier lifestyle. And she wants to be around and have a healthier lifestyle for engagement with the grandkids and me. I, I hope with me too still. Um, I'm just kidding, mom. I, I know that that's what it is. And those things are important. And I don't blame my mom for what went on in my youth. We have information at our fingertips nowadays that was not available 30 years ago. And the information that was available 30 years ago was wrong. One of my key driving factors in the diabetic information and metabolic syndrome was another book by Dr. Bernstein. If you are struggling with diabetes or metabolic syndrome, take a look at Dr. Bernstein's book. He's an interesting character, uh, an individual who runs some clinics for people to have weight loss now, but reading his book, his driving factor was the gentleman was an engineer who became a diabetic back when they used horse insulin and glass needles that you had to boil and you didn't have the ability to test your blood sugar at home. So quick synopsis of the book, this individual learned how to test his blood sugar once in a while at the doctor's office found a way into a job and got himself a machine to test his own blood sugar on a more regular basis, documented all the food he ate while testing his blood sugar, wrote a paper as an engineer about food and the effects on blood sugar and the effects on how your body metabolizes it. Doctors didn't want to listen to him. He, they wouldn't listen to anything he said because he wasn't a doctor. He went back to school, became a doctor, and finally published his paper and help drive people who are diabetics having a home meter to test their blood sugar on a regular basis, as opposed to, here's your insulin level, take X amount of insulin every day, and come get your blood sugar tested once every three months at the doctor. And now today, people have home test kits, and they test all day long. Some people are on insulin pumps and have direct insulin replacement into their body that deals with basal rates, and they have another device that clips in another site that provides feedback to the pump instantly and it monitors your blood sugar 24-7. And I know some people that are on it. And it happens because of medical reasons or it happens because we're overweight and we cause a taxation on the system that drives us into being diabetic. I have diabetes in my family on multiple sides. So my drivers and my why is to prolong becoming diabetic. It's probably inevitable. But if I can push it off till I'm 70, hey man, I'm doing a great job. So these are important things. This is, this is a whole health conversation. So I hope you find an ability to find your why. I hope you find an ability to accept that it's okay to commit time to yourself. No, let me rephrase that. I, I don't hope. I want you to freaking do it. What are you waiting for? What excuses are you coming up with? I don't want. Just, just get off your ass and do it. 
because your health and your life is important. Do something about it. Stop metabolic syndrome if you're having it. If you're heading down the path of it, stop it. If you're already there and you're overweight, stop it. You have the opportunity to do something to change it. If I can change it, you can change it. If other people in my group that are having some awesome headway on stuff can change it, you can change it. Invest in yourself and make yourself your why. Then look at your other whys after that. Because I'll tell you, if you don't deal with yourself first, the cup isn't going to pour over into every other cup. And that's your family, your friends, your work, and the rest of your life. Make whatever you do today important and make it happen. Your health is important. Thanks for tuning in.